Everybody glad you're here. I thank God for you. I love you. And I continue to pray the favor and goodness of God over you. Those joining us online, man, we thank God uh, for you. We're making a journey. If you're with us for the first time, we are delighted that God has brought you and you're joining us on this journey through Mark's account of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Today, chapter 11. Let's pray together over God's word. Would you bow with me, please? Father, we are so grateful that we get to open up the word of life and experience Jesus together. And I pray over these gathered here and those watching online that you would give each person a very personal and profound experience of Jesus in whose name we pray, amen. Um, I, I love my mountains. I love the Rocky Mountains. We go there every year that we can, particularly in the fall. This is the highest mountain in Colorado, Mount uh, Albert. is 14,440 feet elevation. We've climbed it, Deb and I, a number of times with people from church, our boys, uh, friends. Um, but maybe you're more of a beach person. Maybe you don't share my passion for mountains. How many beach people do we have? in the room. Keep going to the beach. Stay away from my mountains. Um, no, here's, here's the deal. Wherever we like to do our fun time, everybody's got big, painful mountains in their life. Today, we're going to hear Jesus talk about the mountains, the, the super serious struggles in our life. To him, they're not geographical locations. When Jesus talks about mountains, he's talking about our painful impossibilities, the hurtful things in our lives. Now, maybe yours, they're different for everyone. Maybe you have an impossibly painful financial mountain you're dealing with. Or maybe you have a, a mountain of health issues that feel like have come against your life and dominate in your life and overwhelm your life. Maybe for you, it's mental, emotional uh, mountains of anxiety and depression. Maybe it's relational mountains. Maybe it's a marital mountain or a, a, a parenting mountain. So what is the mountain in your life that you can't move on your own? I can't move my mountains on my own. Together we can't move the mountains in our life. Here's today's truth. Only God can move our mountains. Only God. But the big question is this. How do we, people like us, regular ordinary people, how do we move God to move our mountains? To move that financial mountain out of our life, to, to, to bring more uh, joy and happiness to our home by moving the marital mountain, the parenting mountain out of our experience. How do we get God, how do we move God to move the mountains out of our life? Well, Jesus is gonna answer that question today. And he's gonna answer it. He's gonna give the answer on a Tuesday. It's the Tuesday before his execution on Friday. It's the Tuesday of the last week of his life. But he takes two days to answer this question. How do you move God to move the mountains out of your life? Jesus takes two days. So we're gonna look, we're gonna examine, we're gonna investigate what he does and what he says about what would prevent God, what would handcuff God from moving mountains out of our lives and what would set God free to move all those mountains out of our lives. But it takes him two days. So we're gonna go to Sunday. This is the last Sunday 
before the crucifixion of Jesus, we call it Palm Sunday. But in the day of Jesus, they called it Lamb Selection Sunday. It was the day that families would select the lamb. I mean, mom and dad, the little kids, they would select the lamb that would die to pay for their sins. This is how they got forgiven by God. And they would keep the lamb Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. They would keep the lamb for six days, long enough to fall in love with the lamb. Maybe the kids named the lamb. Maybe the lamb ate scraps from their table. Maybe they hugged the lamb's neck. But that lamb on Friday, the dad would take the head of the lamb, the face of the lamb in his hands and speak all his family's sins on the head of the lamb. If they had teenagers, lots of sins on the head of the lamb. You see, it was an innocent substitute and that innocent substitute would die. The punishment the family deserved for their sin would fall on the lamb. The lamb would be slaughtered. They would be forgiven. Dads, they picked the lamb on this Sunday. But on this Sunday, the Lord Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world forever, he comes riding into the city. Here's how the day starts for Jesus. A colt was brought to Jesus. Now this is huge, tremendously significant in meaning because if a king rode a stallion into the city, he was all about war. But if a king, and this is the king of kings, if a king rode a colt into the city, he was all about peace. It's just that the people witnessing Jesus riding on this colt had completely different plans for Jesus. They wanted a different kind of king. They didn't want some king of peace. They wanted a king who would do war on the Romans. They wanted a king who would fight for them and win for them and battle for them. They wanted a bloody king who would win for them. Uh, have you ever had plans in life? Plans for your marriage? Plans, something that big you wanted to get? Um, plans for your children. Had you, have you ever had plans in your life? You knew what you wanted, when you wanted it, and how you wanted it. It's just that Jesus wasn't getting it done for you. Have you ever tried to manipulate Jesus to get what you want? Lord, I pray. Lord, I go to church. There was manipulation going on on this day as Jesus rode that colt into the city as a king of peace. Um, you see, our God wants to move our mountains to bring us peace. Can you imagine your life? It is the heart of God to move that financial mountain. And can you imagine your sense of peace and relief if that mountain of debt was removed? Or, or, or can you imagine the peace in your home if that marital mountain, that parenting mountain was just completely shoved out of the way or the peace you would have if that emotional mountain of anxiety and depression was no more. God, his heart for you is to move that mountain so you can experience his peace. Here's what happens in the text. His disciples, they threw their cloaks over the animal, and now th these guys are not manipulating. They just care about Jesus, and so they're being nice, and Jesus uh, got on the colt. Now, many people threw their coats, cloaks, on the road 
And they're not being manipulative. They're showing respect. But then there are others. Others, other people, um, they cut palm branches in the field and spread them on the road in front of Jesus. Now, a palm branch in that day was a symbol of a sword. And if you waved a palm branch, you, it was, you were saying, I'm waving the sword, I'm ready to fight. And if, when they laid those palm branches down in the path of Jesus, they were saying, we will fight for you, we will fight at your side, but we want you to be our warrior king and win for us. And then they were like, put a little song at the end from scripture to finish off the manipulation, praise God. God bless you, Jesus, who comes in the name of the Lord to kill our enemies. I want to tell you something, friends. Wherever you might be having relational struggles, you don't get to peace by hurting anybody. You don't get to peace by defeating anyone. You don't get to peace by controlling anyone. You don't get to peace by punishing anyone. Let go of your right to punish. Let go of your right to control. Let go of your right to defeat. And you get peace. Peace in your heart and peace in the relationship. Well, all this manipulation, all the, you see, these people completely missed it. On this day that um, they selected their lamb to cover their sins, they missed the true identity of Jesus, who is the lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Missed it. And they try to manipulate him to be the kind of king they want, made in their image, to do their will, to do their bidding. And Jesus, he just has a, a, an emotional meltdown in the moment. He's just overcome with grief when he sees and hears what they're doing. And in the Gospel of Luke, we see what happens. Scripture said that Jesus began to weep. Now that word weep in the Greek is a very powerful word. Does anybody know the shortest verse in the Bible? Jesus wept. Now that Greek word for weep there in John 11, it means a single tear slid down the cheek of Jesus as he stood out the grave of Lazarus. But this word for weep, it means he wailed and wailed and wailed aloud. Everyone within hearing distance saw his emotional distress. Jesus began to wail and wail. And, and when he got a grip, when he caught his breath, between wails, he said, how I wish today that you, of all people, would understand the way of peace. I wonder how many times Jesus wept over my marriage. David, how you of all people, how I wish, how I pray, you would know the way of peace. Or how many times has Jesus wept over your parenting, over your finances, that you would know the way to financial peace? over your emotions, that you would know the way to peace. Um, on this Sunday, Jesus is just six days away from his crucifixion. And in his crucifixion, he gives us the secret to finding peace in every area of our life. It is self-sacrifice, full surrender. Here's what the Bible says. Christ's death on the cross, his self-sacrifice, his surrender, Christ's death on the cross has made peace with God for all by his 
blood. The secret of peace. And whatever kind of super serious mountain you're facing, the secret to peace is you surrendering and sacrificing yourself, your desires, your opinions, your rights, your perspective. Husbands, in marriage, the Bible says it this way. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up, surrendered himself, sacrificed himself for her. See, the way to peace in any area of life is given to us right here. And when we surrender ourselves, when we sacrifice ourselves, God has moved to move our mountains. When, when we surrender to do his, what his word says about our finances, God moves the mountain of, uh, of financial pain. When we, when we do what God's word says about our emotions, he moves the mountains of depression, discouragement, anxiety. When we do what God says and surrender to what he says and obey what he says, he, moves, he is moved to move our mountains. Uh, you see, mountains are moved by the power of the cross, the self-sacrifice of Jesus. And when we practice self-sacrifice, there is a power released. Scripture says, that when you believe that Jesus died for your sins and rose from the dead, it triggers the supernatural power of, your, of God that changes things in your life. When you surrender to Christ crucified for your sins and risen from the dead, it moves God to move the mountains in your life. Well, that's Sunday. That's the lessons from Sunday about moving God to move your mountains he moves them. He will move them. He wants to move them to bring you peace. And he moves them. He is moved to move your mountains in response to your self-sacrifice, your full surrender. Okay, here's Monday. That was Sunday. The next morning, Monday morning, Jesus was hungry. From a distance, uh, he saw a tree covered with leaves. He went to see if he could find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. It wasn't the season for figs. And so he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. Take that, you stinking tree. And his disciples heard this. What'd they hear? Do you think they heard Jesus like he was hangry? He hadn't had enough to eat? There was no Taco Bell breakfast around? Goes to the tree and unloads on the tree. We don't understand. I mean, it wasn't even the season for figs. What is up with a curse on a tree? Because we don't live in Israel, we don't get this. But a fig tree, when it was in leaf, it would bear small nodules. Um, I call them prefigs. And people found them delicious. They were sweet. And as they traveled down the road, um, on their way to another community. If they saw a fig tree in leaf, they would go and gather all these little nodules, these prefigs, and eat them. And they were delicious. They found them yummy, a great treat. But if a tree did not bear the prefigs, the little nodules, it would never, ever, ever bear real, full, ripe figs. And so what Jesus was saying, on the outside, you look good. You're given the appearance that you're all good, but on the inside, there is something sick. There is something wrong. And I curse the activity on the outside because there's no integrity on the inside. 
his curse was a part of the lesson on how to move God to move the mountains in our lives. You see, no mountain is ever moved when you're all below and no show. I mean, you can be really busy. You can be doing good stuff for people. You can look good. But it's what's on the inside. That's what counts. Jesus is saying to this tree, you're a liar. You're a deceiver. You're a fake. You're pretending on the outside to be something. You're not delivering from the inside. And he did that as an illustration of what he was about to do when he storms into the house of God. Check it out from the Bible. Scripture says Jesus entered the temple and he just goes into beast mode. He began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. Now, they would sell, and this was all politics, but they would sell different kinds of animals and each animal had a different price and they were just jacking up the price of the animals because it was a holiday, like gas stations on Memorial Day weekend. Did that come out of my mouth? But no, they were just, they were stealing money in the name of religion. And it was all politics. And Jesus had had it up to here with politics in his house. Get the politics out of my house. And he drives out these people selling animals, jacking up the prices, stealing people's money in the name of religion. He knocked over the tables of the money changers because these money changers, they were doing the same thing. They would say, oh, you're from Bethlehem. You got Bethlehem money. We don't take Bethlehem money here. You give me $10 of Bethlehem money, I'll give you $5 of temple money. Your money ain't no good here. You give me 10, I'll give you five. They were cheating people in their name of religion. Knocked over the tables of the money changers, kicked over the chairs of those selling doves. Doves were the lowest level, the cheapest level of animal sacrifice. That's all the poor, the poor could afford. These people were even fleecing the poor in the name of religion. And Jesus had had it. He just goes berserk, flips over table, chases people out of the temple, sets animals free, we see in another text. Coins go bouncing everywhere. And before the dust has settled, he raises his voice and fills the temple with this shout. My house should be called a house of worship for all people, but you have made it a den of thieves. What was supposed to be a place of compassion had become a place of corruption. And, and, and Jesus just let him have it. My house, I, I gotta tell you something. Just like it wasn't because he was hungry that he cursed the tree it wasn't just because of the cheating. He chased the cheats off the premises, but it wasn't just the cheating. The God, Jesus was fiercely angry because people were being shamed. Jesus hates shame and Jesus hates shaming. And when he goes in there and he sees people saying, hey, you don't have enough money to buy a dove, you're too poor, 
out of the line, out of my way. You're wasting my time. Give me somebody up here who's got some money. And so the poor are shamed. Or someone steps up, different race, different color of skin. Ah, wrong race, wrong color of skin. Not just to the back of the line, way back over there. Get back, way back over there. Oh, you're a woman? Not good enough? You don't count? You can't come in? You can't worship in the presence of God over there, away from the rest of us? Jesus saw the poor being shamed, people of a different race being shamed, women being shamed, and that was, the, that was the driving force of his righteous wrath. Jesus hates shame. He hates shaming. And in just a matter of days, he would die on a bloodstained cross to provide cleansing of all guilt and shame. He would die for shame. He would bear our shame in the state of Tennessee, I love the state of Tennessee. That's where my, my people's from, Woodbury, uh, Tennessee. But the state of Tennessee, if you are caught speeding, uh, excuse me, if you are caught driving under the influence, you can speed all you want in Tennessee, I'm just kidding. No, if you are caught driving under the influence of alcohol and you are convicted uh, of drunk driving, you are sentenced to work for three days, eight hours a day, picking up roadside litter, but you are forced to wear during that whole time a blaze orange vest and on the back of the vest in four inch big letters it reads I am a drunk driver now we don't need the the state of Tennessee to put shame on us you me we do it all by ourselves we got our own Blaze vest that tell our story that we wear our shame 24-7. We wear it to bed. I'll put it on backwards just so I can show you what we wear all the time every day. We wear shame. We wear it to bed and it disturbs our sleep. It gives us anxiety, the shame that we feel. Maybe my shame is I'm addicted. Maybe your shame is, I'm an angry person. Maybe my shame is, I gambled away all my family's savings. Maybe your shame is, I lied to my spouse. Maybe my shame is, I hurt my family. Maybe your shame is, I can't be trusted. We all sin. And so we all bear Bear the shame. In fact, it's a mountain of shame that we lug through our lives with us. Never leaves us. It surges to the surface at surprising moments and just overcomes us with anxiety and despair. 24-7, we wear shame. If we could just move God to move the mountain of our shame, all the other mountains in our life pale by comparison. Okay, that's Sunday and Monday. Here's Tuesday. Jesus is gonna give the answer. How do you move God to move the mountains in your life? In the morning, Tuesday morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered. Oh my gosh, from the roots up. I mean, it's not just that the leaves fell off and the limbs fell off when Jesus cursed it. It withered and went to nothing from the roots up. Jesus spoke 
to the tree. This is how our mountains get moved. We speak to them. Jesus spoke to that mountain of that fig tree. It's fakeness, it's deception, it's lie, it's appearance of being something and was nothing. And it withered away to nothing. Same is true for you. When you move God by your self-sacrifice, letting go of your rights, letting go of your opinions, letting go of your perspective, he will wither away your mountain, whatever it is, wither it away to nothing. In the morning they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, teacher, look, the fig tree, the fig tree you cursed has withered. It is nothing. And in response to Peter's statement, Peter didn't even ask a question, but he, Jesus understands that buried in the statement is a question. What's up with this? And so Jesus gives the answer. How do you, how do I, how do we move God to move our mountains? Here's what Jesus says. Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. He's a good God. You can trust God. I tell you the truth. You can say, just like I spoke to that tree, you can speak to your financial mountain. You can speak to your marital mountain. You can speak to your emotional mountain. May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. You can speak to your shame mountain. In fact, when Jesus died on the cross, he threw our sin into the deepest sea. Jesus threw death into the sea. He threw our shame into the sea. We just keep going fishing and putting it back on and wearing it every day. He says, you gotta believe in the goodness of God. It will happen. What you say will happen if you really believe. And what do you say? What do you say to your mountain? You say the word of God. You speak the word of God over your marriage. You speak the word of God over your finances. You speak the word of God over your children. You speak the word of God over your emotions. Some of you today, I've already prayed with you for your children. I pray for my children. Lord Jesus, take your nail-pierced hands and touch their hearts and minds. We take the promises of God and we speak them over the mountains in our life and those mountains will wither away to nothing on the basis of speaking God's word. Have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, any mountain. And if you believe you've received it, it will be yours. Here's the word of God. This is all made possible by the work of Jesus on the cross. That's, this is Tuesday when Jesus says it. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, he is executed. Here's what the word of God says. Christ carried our sins in his body. Christ carried our sins in his body on the cross so that freed from our sins, we could live a life that pleases God. You can throw your mountain of shame at the foot of the cross. And when you do, he gives you a new garment. He lets you be dressed in the goodness of Christ. When you surrender everything, when you sacrifice yourself as Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross for you, 
You throw away your shame. You throw it at the foot of the cross and he dresses you in his goodness. Everything bad about you, it's put on Jesus. Everything good about Jesus, it's put on you. All your ugly, evil imperfections are put on him and all the glory and beauty of his perfection is put on you. Anything wrong with you, it's all on Jesus and everything right with Jesus is put on you. You get to be dressed in the perfection and the glory and the beauty of Christ. Here's the word of God. Scripture says, all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. No one and nothing can ever take this from you. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired Podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.